0: Vogelsang Pest Management has programs for everyone's budget. Call us at 314-601-1789, Vogelsang Pest Management, serving your family like you are our family. Westplex 107.1 party in the USA. Yes, it's a party right here in the Westplex. We are partying already. And when I say to, you know, to my partner in crime here, I go, "Shelly, hey, let's go party. What do you think?" Come on, Shelly, we're going to go party. Come on, we're going to party. I uh, Don't
1: say that. Come on, Stop we're going to
0: party, Shelly.
1: I think we're party animals, don't you?
0: <sighs> party animals. Listen to you. Yes. <laughs> not me, man. <laughs> You're a party animal. I'm not. Yes, I'm, you are. I never have been. That's why I didn't do well when I was in the regular radio business, because I didn't. <laughs>
1: you did just fine, sir. I didn't, no, but
0: I could have done much better. Oh, man. I have to tell you a story. <laughs> I got all sorts of stories today. I have to tell you a story about my early years in the radio business long, 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 long time ago and I talk about you've heard the saying sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Yeah. Okay. I talked to a guy who shall remain nameless who is still in the business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Monday. Uh, Guy's still been in the business. He's been, he, and as I asked him, I said, how long have you been in the radio business? And he said to me his exact words, My first song I ever played on the radio was The Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, and it just came out. So that was 1964. So this guy's been in the radio business since 1964. He talked to me, and I started in the early 70s. And that was an interesting time in the radio business, because all these FM stations, like for example, KSLQ, the original KSLQ, had just come on the air, and they were doing interesting things on FM. Up until like the late 60s, early 70s, the only thing on FM was like classical music and hard rock like Keishi and beautiful music and, you know, stuff like that. Elevator music, that kind of stuff. All of a sudden here comes Top 40 Stations. Okay, he told me about a program director that he knew of, that he competed against. He was a crosstown rival. And the program director told all of the guys on the air, all the DJs, they had to use cocaine.
1: Isn't that illegal? Yes,
0: but they had to use cocaine. I mean, uh, aside
1: from the fact of actually doing it for your job to require it, well, Isn't that worse?
0: Duh. <laughs> you know, plus, they're they're on federally licensed radio stations. <laughs> yeah, but back
1: then, uh, Coca-Cola had cocaine in
0: it. No, not back in the 70s. What are you talking about? Maybe the 1870s, not the 1970s. No, no. Shelly, mm-hmm. Coca-Cola what? didn't have cocaine in it back in the 70s. It has not had cocaine in it for like 130 years. I can look that up. You really believe there was cocaine in Coca-Cola back in? the... I do
1: because my oh, grandma my
0: loved her Coca-Cola. But that, didn't have cocaine in it. Okay, it did. Here it, we go. Here we go. That's Shelly,
1: where it got its name.
0: Shelly, yeah, back like in the eighteen hundreds. Not here we go. Shelly's off to a great start. Uh, here, let's hear another uh, another intelligent thing she says. Okay. You really think that back in the seventies there was cocaine in Coca Cola? I do. <laughs> well then why didn't he just tell all his disc jockeys, Hey, before you go on here, I want you to I want you to chug, I want you to shotgun, a six pack, of Coca Cola. Shotgun a six pack, that's funny.
1: <laughs>
0: well, but no, but seriously, this guy told his staff and he told them he wanted them uh, what was the term? high and bright. He wanted them like to have energy on the radio. You know, like like sound hey, top forty disc jockey, they're talking like that. And he wanted him to sound up like that all the time. So we told him to take cocaine all the time. <laughs> because I think I've told you, my former boss, who the the bizarre part of this was, one day, I guess this is I'm gonna show you how naive a stupid guy I am, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago. One of my radio buddies called me up and said, hey, man, you used to work with, with uh, you know, pig virus. What was he really like? And I said to him, I go, I have no idea who you're talking about. I know, I know Stern talks about pig, pig virus all the time. If you're, you know, He still talks about pig virus. And if you watch his movie, he had the pig virus or pig vomit, they were used interchangeably. Pig virus, pig vomit. Why in the world he called him that, don't know. So he says to me, he says, oh, you don't know who pig virus is? I go, no. And he laughs at me. He goes, you really don't know? Who? It's pig vomit. Well, no, but it's t- he, he used both of them, pig virus and pig vomit. They, they, were, okay. they were both used. And, and yeah, yeah, one time, it, sometimes it was pig vomit, sometimes it was pig virus. And I said to him, I don't know who that is. And he says, it's Kevin Matheny. At the time, Kevin Matheny was still alive. And, and I, go, I go, that's pig vomit? And he goes, yeah. You worked for him, didn't you? I go, man, I can tell you some stories. I mean, this guy was so high sometimes he didn't know what planet he was on, you know. I mean, and, and he died a somewhat early death. And uh, you know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm I you know, I do some weird things in my life, and I'm not the you know I don't do the healthiest things like I eat nothing but like fast food and stuff like that. But you know, when I go to the doctor and they do my resting pulse rate, it's like sixty five, sixty six, which ain't bad for an old dude. My blood pressure is usually like you know like for a long time for man up until up until probably about. 10 years ago my blood pressure was double digit over double digit i was always like 96 over 66 something like that you know i mean recently it's gone to the point where like i get upset when i go to the doctor and it's like 120 over 70 or something like that which is still you know relatively low okay i mean you know everybody says oh my god your blood must just have just nothing but but you know fast food in it Two years ago, I had a major physical and I had all the tests and stuff like that. Um, My triglycerides and all that kind of stuff were all in the normal range. You know, I mean, nothing was like, I mean, the only thing like my entire physical, there was like one thing, I can't, one or two things, and I was like on the edge. In other words, like, let's say, you know, the elevated range would start at like 10, and I was like 10.2. You know, I was just like barely out of the, the normal range. And anyway, this guy was always high. Always high. And I mean God, I, I could tell you a six flag story. I'll tell you the six flag story one time. Maybe I don't I could tell that on air. Have I ever told that story on air? About I don't think so. Oh my god. First off it was terrible situation what he did to a woman who worked on the air with us. I mean, just absolutely positively there's no there's no excuse for what he did. Uh, And then, I mean, all in like an hour's time at Six Flags on the 4th of July in 1980. How's that for remembering things? The 4th of July, 1980, Six Flags, and we were doing a remote broadcast out there all day. And it was 100 degrees more. And I was supervising. The contest was, what would you do for a pound of gold? And all these people sent in things to the radio station. You know, I'll do this for a pound of gold. I'll do this for a pound of gold. And we picked, I think, six finalists, and we took them out to Six Flags. And whatever they said they were going to do... Uh, for the pound of gold, that's what they did, and the person who we judged was the most, you know, unbelievable thing they did for a pound of gold. Won the pound of gold and at the time. I mean, nowadays, pound of gold would be worth gold's up about like two thousand again. Nowadays, pound of gold would be, and it was this was like a, and this is sort of weird. This is a little bit, this was a little bit um, misleading because there's the regular pound of gold. But there's in gold that when they measure it by pounds, it's not by the 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 measure we measure stuff like when you go to the store and you get a pound of salami. It's it's different. I think a pound like of gold is like twelve ounces or something like that. But still, today, you know, today that would be twenty four thousand dollars if you had twelve ounces of gold. So anyway, the guy I'm assigned to sends a letter into the radio station. Can't remember his name. Should remember his name. Is from Flarsen. And he describes the fact that he's uh, his his life's not in good shape. At the time, he was working at Chrysler, and at time, you know, if you remember back like 1980, Chrysler was in deep trouble. Uh, plant was shut down. He was laid off. His wife had a job; she was out of work. He was a couple months behind on his on his house payment. Uh, things were looking bleak for him. And what he said he was going to do was cut his wife's car in half with less than 100 hacksaw blades and he's going to do it by hand okay so, so yeah
1: I'm sitting here shaking my head okay
0: okay so yeah so uh, we're, we they, they, he drives his car which that and his wife's car which at the time was a really nice car keep in mind this is 1980 okay the car's like a 77 Buick Electra. And if you know your cars, the Buick Electra was the biggest car they made. It was like the boat. It was like, it was similar to like a Cadillac Sedan DeVille. Big old monsters, long two-door car. Just
1: ooze down the road.
0: Yeah, big car. Very nice. Yep. And this thing only yep. had like 50 or 60,000 miles on. And we're going like, you do realize this car is worth some money. And I can't remember, and maybe, I can't remember what gold was worth. But it was going to be, he was going to make money on the fact that the car was going to be cut in half. So... I'm assigned to him. So they'd come to me like every fifty minutes. Hey, Brad's over at the American Americana Theater and with Joe, Joe Blow and he's cutting his car in half. And the guy drives the car in because I had to supervise this. We had to, you know, take pictures to certify that these people actually did this stuff because there was no internet. There was no, you know, live streaming or anything like that. And the guy had a jack with him and four jack stands. And he jacked his car up, in his, his wife's car up in the air and put four jack stands underneath it, but he strategically located jack stands so and there was a method to his madness, he'd figured out where the center of gravity in the car was. Not not left to right, but front to rear. So what he did was he put these jack stands so that the car was up in the air, all four wheels were off the ground, but as he saw it and he started on the roof, and he didn't cut from from front to back, he cut from left to right. So as as he gets up on the roof of the car and he cuts the roof, you know, like with a hands he's got a hacksaw frame with a hacksaw blade and he's cutting the roof of the car. And he cuts across the roof of the car. And what he did was, because of the way he had it set up, when he was cutting, the car was pulling itself apart. Get you know what I'm saying? Because if you've ever I saw do. if you've ever sawed something that like that starts to bind, you know, there's your sawing it, it like starts to come together and the saw blade gets stuck well he figured out that that if he put the car in jacks and as he started cutting it the car would start to pull away from itself so he wouldn't have to worry about the hacksaw blade getting stuck you know by the two pieces of metal you know coming together closer so he cuts the roof across all the way across and the car starts to bunk you know sort of sag in the middle just a little bit and then he goes across the floorboard and starts in like in the passenger's rear door Cuts through the the rocker panels, cuts through the frame, cuts through the drive shaft, cuts through the floorboard, cuts through the other side, and the car and this I mean this was not like like over ten minutes this was like over like six hours, and it's hotter than hell we're out in the sun, the sun's beating down he's sweating like and I'm out there too I'm not doing this, and I'm sweating and and he cuts the thing in half, and the car Falls in two pieces. Ba-boom. Falls off the jack stand. The front thing falls forward. Back thing falls backwards. Boom. He's in two pieces. Well, thank heaven he won the contest. And and he went out and paid... With less
1: than 100 blades.
0: uh, And I think he only used, like... He only used... I I think he was, like, maybe 25 or 30. You know? He didn't... I mean, it it was amazing to watch. You know? and, And once again, back in the day... There was no video. As a matter of fact, I don't even think we took pictures. I don't think there was like you know anybody like an official photographer or anything like that. Anyway, that was the deal. But anyway, that day, Kevin Matheny did two things. One which was so funny because of the fact that he was acting like such a, like a, such a you know, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a rich guy, look what I can do. And then that came crashing down on him and then with a personal, personnel in, I- issue. He was so incredibly bad to a female staff member that that day I gave him my two weeks notice. I essentially said, I can't work for you. This is ridiculous, the way you treated this woman. I'm not trying to make myself as a martyr, but it just was unbelievable. I'll tell the story someday, and it's like, I think that, like, I mean, I don't care who you are. When I tell the story... Anybody who would would you know hear the story would go like, oh my god! And today, what he did, not only would he have been fired, he would have been sued. I mean, <laughs> this guy would have had you know, yeah, there would yeah. be there he, were, he he would have been toast. <laughs> there were there were lawyers li- there would be lawyers lining up in line to take this woman's case, and he oh, th-
1: absolutely. and he thought I was
0: kidding. I said I Judge said Judge Judy. Mm-hmm. I said I quit. You know, two weeks I quit, and he goes, yeah, you're right. I go, no, I quit two weeks. I'm out here. And I did. I quit. Two weeks later, it's gone. That's a whole other story. And
1: then what did you do after that?
0: The day I quit, um, my first day of not having a job, sort of in 1980, and the crazy thing about it was, this was like, by this time, it was mid-July of 1980. I was scheduled to be married on September (laughs) 6, 1980. I had no job. I'd quit my job a month and a half or two months before I was supposed to get married. And at three o'clock in the morning, My phone, this was pre-cell phone days, my phone rings. And I'm thinking, okay, it's never a good thing when your phone rings at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I answered the phone, and it was Richard Miller, the owner at the time of K-A-D-I, later to own uh, Truman State Bank, later to lose Truman State Bank, and later to uh, unfortunately die after he lost... Truman State Bank. It broke his heart. But he owned radio stations here in St. Louis and several other markets. And he... Listen, boy. Listen, boy. I hear you're not with that Q station anymore. You need to come see me, boy. Come see me this morning. Come in my office. You be in my office at 9 o'clock. We're gonna talk turkey. We're gonna talk turkey. I'm gonna make you a star, boy. That KSOQ station, small potatoes. Small potatoes, boy. I'm gonna put you on K-A-D-I and you are going to be a household name in St. Louis. Listen, boy. See you at my office at 9 o'clock. Click.
1: Well, he was absolutely correct.
0: <laughs> no, he wasn't. It was, it was the worst decision I made in my life. And then he fired was me. Was going to work for Richard? Oh, he fired me on Christmas Day. I wasn't there. I worked there from September. I or, or no you telling me that. Mid July of 1980. And on Christmas morning, I'm on the air. I'm on Christmas morning. I'm calling. Listen, boy. Lesson boy. It hasn't worked out. It hasn't worked out. Uh, we, we got somebody new. And uh, when you're off the air, just, uh, just, uh, just uh, uh, don't worry about turning in your key because I'm going to have the locks changed. And uh, uh, it, it didn't work out. I'm sorry. Click, hangs up on me. Christmas morning. <laughs> How's that for a story?
1: Okay, Tiny Tim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Richard Miller.
1: I don't even know. <laughs> but he made such an impact on so many people.
0: A negative impact because everybody can tell stories like that. Nobody can tell a good story about Richard Miller. All the stories See, are... he
1: wouldn't be able to do all that nowadays.
0: Well, well, but but he, he, you know, I mean, I could go into other weird stuff about him as well, too. Oh, I know. To a certain extent. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, once again, that was the radio business back then. Back then, I'm telling you, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know? I mean, it was just, it was just crazy time, crazy. And, and to the point where, where I mean, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Almost Famous, which to me is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, it, Rob Tom. No, well, it is isn't. it isn't. It's it's sort of intermingled as a hey, rom-com ish. No, 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 because it, it tells a story of the era, and it tells a story. It tells a story more of a young man coming of age. I mean, that's that's and and it's semi autobiographical about Cameron Crow. If you know who Cameron Crow is, he was the guy that directed uh, Jerry Maguire, and he and he was at one point in time married to Nancy Wilson or Ann Wilson, which can't remember which one of Heart. Uh, a fascinating guy fascinating guy graduated from high school and he was like 15 years old I mean just weird stuff interesting dude anyway how'd we get talking about that
1: I don't know but it's 629
0: Flex 107.1 it is us Shelly and Brad on the radio BS in the morning as we call it it is a hard to believe it's Wednesday um, you know interesting the Cardinals uh, played yesterday I think they have a doubleheader header today All right, and, and I'm gonna ask you something okay I know you're you're regularly not a sports fan right Right. Are you keeping track of this? No. <laughs> and, and like, I, I guess
1: I don't have a journalism degree. <laughs> <sighs> well,
0: yeah, well, you're the smart one of the two. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You're what, you know what I say, whatever man can do, woman can do better. So you're the smarter of the both of us, I guarantee you that. Uh, last night, it sort of hit me when I heard on another radio station, they're given sports scores, and they're given like, and the Blues now in the best of seven playoff series. I'm going like, Whoa, what? We're in the playoffs? And I forgot. That's this groovy round-robin deal they're doing like that, which is like, okay, we've totally, and I'm going to take the word, and it's okay to use to, a word to use on the radio in this context. They bastardize the hockey season. Because it's not like it used to be where, you know, they play, have the go the regular season. They play, what, 82 games. And then they have the, the playoffs, which go on for months. And then they have the Stanley Cup Finals. I, I have no idea. I mean, I guess if I talk to one of my sports geek friends, they'd say, well, here's the way it is this year. They'd tell me. I'm going like, I have no idea what, uh, where they're at in the playoffs. Baseball, I have no idea what's going on with that. All I know is the Cardinals <laughs> missed 18 games, and now they're trying to make them up. I'm going like, okay, and the season ends, what? September thirtieth or something crazy thing like that. And I don't
1: know. It's short. Isn't and today's
0: it? the today's the nineteenth, and they've got to play. you know all these games they're regularly scheduled plus eighteen games they missed, and this is all going to happen by, by. Oh God, it's just bizarre. Just bizarre. You know the nba we talked about that when i was eating my my meal the other night at the bar which the lady made to go for me because she didn't want me to sit at her bar and i'm watching the nba she, game that's
1: not why she made it to go <laughs> yeah
0: that's right she didn't want me there uh and i'm watching the nba game <laughs> okay. and i see i've I, i've never saw this with the virtual fans i'm going like okay i've seen everything now you know what i mean it's like i've seen everything it was like it was like a giant zoom call on the wall you know what i'm saying like you see getting That's one of those zoom hilarious. when you get one of those zoom calls and there's all the people sitting there you know like there's like page after page of people on zoom you know on zoom if you get like a big zoom group or something like that it's like okay it's like it's like the zoom wall you know ah man I, I, uh <laughs> every day see you know what see for shelly She'll be able to say, in 30 years, she'll be able to say to her grandkids and her great grand, great grandkids, she'll be able to say, you know, I remember back in 2020, we started that year and we thought it was going to be a wonderful year, and it turned out to be just plain, bloonk! and her kids are going to call, granny, you can't say words like that. The I can, go yourself, it was a <laughs> terrible year. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> that's Shelly. That's Shelly. You Re- know me well. <laughs> that's of Shelly. Anybody
1: that's had a conversation with me for five
2: minutes
0: knows me that well.
2: <laughs> Granny, Granny, did you always talk? Oh
0: no, hold The kid would say, Granny, did you always talk like that? And Shelly would say, You're blunk, 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 and right, I did. I've always talked like this. You got a problem with it, you, little blonk, blunk, blunk? blunk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wouldn't be that bad.
0: If you don't like the way I talk,
1: are so funny. Go blunk blunk blunk. Get out here and go blunk blunk blunk. Yes, I said it. Go blunk blunk blunk. (laughs) Right on. Six thirty-eight
0: might help if I turn the wrong microphone on. Oh, i have turn the wrong one on. Westplex 107.1. It is BS in the morning. I am Shelly. She is Brad 647. Web address is bsinthemorning.show. You know what I did, Shelly? It's a stupid thing. I don't think she's back yet. What? Oh, you're there. Uh, I am back. Can I, you not hear me? I sent someone a link to our show, someone who was inquiring about advertising on the show. And when I typed it in before I sent it... I sent, I put, and you can check out our morning show website at (laughs) bsinthemorning.com.
1: Way to go, Brad.
0: And that's not us. That's the fake BS in Las Vegas at KOMP 92.3. Which, And we say fake BS is that there used to be a, what was her name, Brandy? Brittany. Brittany Brittany there used to be a Brittany and the guy that was the the lady and the guy's name was Sparks but that's how it was not his real name they actually changed his name so they could say BS and Brittany um, left us a very sad situation there. and they replaced Brittany with Izzy so it's Izzy and Sparks which is BS in the morning but they're not really BS that in the is. morning. That's is in the morning, yeah, well, yeah. That Bill Clinton is liked in the that morning. stage. Well, yeah. it, it depends on what the definition of is is. Anyway, you have to be of age to understand what that quote means. And so anyway, um, I almost sent it to him, and I go, "Oh, that's not us. That's the Las Vegas people." I screwed did up. Did
1: you know that you can you can stream us on Alexa? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, smartest woman in the world. A Troy ounce is thirty-one point one zero grams. A regular ounce is. grams. So a troy ounce, which gold is measured in, is just a little bit more than a normal ounce. Uh, And there are, where is it? She had it there. Uh, There are uh, 14.5833 troy ounces to a pound. So, if you have a pound of gold, it's 14.5833 Troy, troy ounces. Also, the Chicago Blackhawks are out or already out of the, the playoffs. Yay. And baseball ends 927 and then the playoffs. So, between now, which is the 19th of August, and the 27th of September, uh, the Cardinals have to play like what? 45 games or some crazy number like that? You know, but they're not going to, are they? I, who knows? They're, everybody's still going. Like, well, what are they going to do? They need to
1: start behaving themselves. Well, they're do doing their job. They're
0: doing double headers, and but you know, still, once again, the problem is, is that the teams that they missed the games with, how are they going to reschedule those games? Because those teams are scheduled to play other teams. And if I'm not mistaken, the way the Cardinals' schedule is set up, the way most of the teams are set up, because they're playing interleague play all season long. It's not like they're just playing all the National League teams. Uh, They're playing interleague play. And the problem is, I think most of the teams they play, they only play once. So, you know, because there's, what, 32 teams in baseball. And if you figure if they played every team one time, that would be 32 games. If they played every team twice, that would be... That would be 62 games. They're only playing 60 games. So, man, maybe they're not playing every team. But, but they're. But you know what I mean? How if if they missed a scheduled series with Team A, and then in two weeks, uh, you know, in Team A they never play Team A again. How are they going to make up those games? Because that other team's scheduled for other games. It's so weird. You know, we just need to take the rule book out. And you know what? am i Well they
1: clearly already have.
0: Well I'm 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 happy to say, I'm telling you, I'm happy to say say that, you know, everybody's been criticizing Joe Biden, who I think he's gotten a lot of unjust criticism. Everybody's been been criticizing Joe Biden because he won't come out of his basement and he won't do interviews. And man, he has had some over the last couple days, he's had some really Really tough interviews with some really tough journalists. First off, that world-renowned uh, journalist, uh, Cardi B, interviewed him the other day. And I think yesterday, uh, the guy from Hamilton, uh, Manuel uh, Noriega, uh, isn't that the guy's name? Manuel Noriega. He used, and he also, and not only is this guy a talented uh, you know, uh, performer and writer of the music Hamilton, he used to run uh, the, you know, the country of Panama and anyway uh he interviewed joe biden and oh my god the questions were so tough joe what day is it oh i think it's tuesday yeah good good joe they're tough questions joe have you ever seen my play hamilton oh yeah i loved it i loved it when you came out on the motorcycle that was really a good part of that play
1: you know what shame (laughs) on you brad Quit messing with that man. Oh, well, he, I think it's horrible. I do. I it really does bother uh, me to my core well, that they are, um, doing this to this this man.
0: <sighs> Shelley, you and I have talked about it. You know, the sad part of it is that I think that behind the scenes, well, you know, okay, look at it this way. Let, let's be fair, okay? The Republicans. The, the, the Republican machine are going like, oh, my God, we got Donald Trump again. Oh, my God, Donald Trump. And the Democrats are going, oh, my God, we got we got Joe Biden. Oh, my God, we got Joe Biden. You know, and the Republicans. He's
1: impaired,
0: though. The, well, How can he run the country <laughs> some, some people will when say, he's impaired? Some people say Trump's impaired as well, too. Trump's been Trump impaired is for years. Trump just egotistical. Okay, so here's what they need to do. They need to get the Republican kingmakers and the Democratic kingmakers, the real power behind the parties, they need to have a secret meeting somewhere, and they'll say, okay, we'll make a deal with you. If you'll get rid of Trump and put in Nikki Haley, we'll get rid of Joe Biden and put in Tulsi Gabbard. And then I would go, yes! The, the world's best election, two young, vibrant, intelligent women going head-to-head, that would be the election not two old guys who are like you know throwing stones at each other we need two young two young women and you know what and may the best woman win that's what you say may the best woman win how many times have you said that it's always let the best man win let the best woman win Tulsi Nikki good luck one of you two is going to be our next president of the United States don't you think that would be an election
1: it would be an election It would be better than them sitting there um, exploiting this poor man.
0: And then 30 years from now, 30 years from now, Shelly with her grandchildren and she's sitting (laughs) around and, Grandma, who did you vote for back in 2020? Well, Sonny, I voted for this blankety blank blank. And he was a real blankety blanker. (laughs) Six... (laughs) probably
1: i would say that okay you don't know
0: you don't know this but i've got an interview coming up in about six minutes so we got to move along here and i i i hope well i shouldn't say i hope i think this is going to be a really interesting interview and i'm not even going to tell you what it's about you don't even know about this do you
1: no i do not
0: okay six fifty-five. thank you for that westplex 107.1 it is bs in the morning i'm shelly she's Brad. good morning to you shelly how are you this morning
1: Brad, I am doing wonderful. How are you? I
0: am just so great. Boy, we just get along so well together. And uh, when I see you you later today... Until uh, you
1: blah, 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 and then I want to, you know, like throat
0: punch you or something. Yeah, then you're going to punch me in the face. Okay, Shelly. Unfortunately, (laughs) you know the uh, situation we have here with some technical uh, issues. I'm going to put you sort of on the sideline here for the next few minutes. Because, okay, I have on the phone with me who oh, I think uh, is an incredible storyteller. And I'm going to try to do this correct, and hopefully he'll correct me. Danny Wistantowski. Did I get it right? Close enough. Okay. <laughs> Pretty good. Go go ahead and pronounce it for me.
2: Uh, Danny Wistantowski. That's my name.
0: Wistantowski. Okay. Danny, first off, I knew who you were uh, before, and the reason I have you on the air here is you have put together and you have hosted and i want to find out more about this an incredible podcast called american skyjacker
2: uh, yeah so it's been out now for uh, you know now it just released its seventh episode last night but the podcast is out and it's a uh, one of my uh, a story uh, that i've been following since 2014 really for most of my career um, and it's just an amazing St. Louis story uh, that,
0: that doesn't quit. Now, let me take back a little bit here and do a little bit more about you. First off, and I I I, I don't know how to put this, but you used to be a reporter for the Riverfront Times until the Riverfront Times sort of shut down. Is that correct, or is it still in business? Oh.
2: So there's some good good news on that front. Um, I was furloughed as a reporter. I've been a reporter for the Riverfront Times since 2013. I was furloughed in, in March. Uh, with everything going on, but uh, I, I'm happy to say that RFT is very much alive. I was hired back uh, just two weeks ago. I'm now just a couple weeks back into being unfurloughed as a staff writer again. Um, so I, I am back uh, in my, my happy place.
0: Well, I am really happy to say that. And before we get into the heart of the interview about American Skyjacker, I want to tell you that I have been a huge fan of Riverfront Times and what I'll call the long-form journalism that you guys do, where you really dig into a story. And um, I think that that is – and here's the crazy thing. I kid with Shelley all the time, who's my co-host. The fact that I have a journalism degree, and my journalism degree is sort of a waste nowadays because nobody practices journalism, except people like you. You like, are like the last of the real journalists.
2: Oh, thank you. I, w- I wouldn't go go quite that far, but I do appreciate it, and I know it's uh... – uh, an uncommon thing to get to write uh, a big pile of words um, about anything.
0: Well, specifically, American Skyjacker. Okay, I heard an ad for this on another radio station, and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. <clears throat> so I, I, you know, go on, you know, with my phone, grab the podcast, and listen to the first episode. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, oh my god, I know this story. I know this crazy story about the fact that this guy by the name of, what, Martin McNally, is that his name? Yeah. And hijacked a plane out of St. Louis. And, and what's interesting is there's so many crazy, weird coincidences in this that um, you interview on your podcast Don Marsh, who at the time was like a young reporter. He was like, what, in his 30s or something like that?
2: Um, you know, I, I don't know uh, how how old Don was, but he was a, a fairly new reporter, and he and you're right. I, I you know he witnessed um, one of the several kind of crazy incidents of this story of someone uh, attempting to be a good Samaritan and to interrupt in in quite uh, in, you know what could have been a disastrous fashion uh, this ongoing hijacking. Um, but there's there are a lot of folks who get pulled into. Um, Moments that they were not necessarily prepared for in this story, and it's it's amazing to see.
0: Well, and and what you're doing is you're dropping a new episode every week. I just listened to the episode yesterday on Alan Barklage, and what's sort of funny is I hope you don't uh, are not offended when I say this. I found you on Twitter, and I DM'd you on Twitter, and I said. Hey, Danny, can you call me at 314? And I put my phone number out there. And then, and then you responded, you responded, uh, what's this about? And <laughs> let me see if I can find it. I'll send you, I'll tell you what I responded. I responded by saying, i me see if I can find it. Uh, I responded by saying, uh, I would like to interview you on my radio show about American Skyjacker. By the way, I'm a former helicopter pilot. Alan Barclitch taught me how to fly. Tori Lyons used to work for me as a traffic reporter and one of my clients was at Barbara Oswald's house practicing for a play with one of her daughters the evening of the prison break besides that I can't think of any reason why we wouldn't have wanted to contact me <laughs> and
2: <laughs> yeah how could I how could I turn that down yes yeah, so, um, so but you know I I will say you know uh, you know mentioned Alan Barclidge, uh who's sort of the focus of this main episode you know th- just to give your, your listeners a, a sense of the, the full arc here this is a story. Uh, as you said, the podcast is called the, Mark, "The American Skyjacker: The Final Flight of Martin Mcnally." Martin Mcnally is our St. Louis hijacker, who in who 1972, who I've interviewed quite a bit for this story. Um, but this story kind of takes years to, to continue to get more and more crazy. And so, Alan Barkledge, who uh, your listeners may may recall, was St. Louis's uh, you know radio traffic hero, you know hero helicopter pilot. Um, and so, you know, this is a part of a story that involves, you know, him being hijacked, uh, you know, and being forced to fly to Marion Prison to break out some prisoners. And so, this is, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm certainly, I've heard so many amazing stories about Alan Barklage from folks who knew him, um, as you do, I'm sure. Um, and so, it's been amazing to continue to find folks who, you know, knew these larger-than-life characters in this story firsthand.
0: Well, what I think you do so well, and, and you know what, what, I, what I find fascinating about podcasting is um, I think the true art form of storytelling is something that's coming back, and it's coming back through podcasting. And what you've done is, and I think the word you use, the arc of the story, like you said, it starts out about Martin McNally. Then it sort of morphs into a story about Garrett Trapnell, who was also a skyjacker. Then it morphs into a story about Barbara Oswald, who ended up skyjacking Alan Barkos in her helicopter. And I'm going like, okay, this just can't be for real. If someone were going to write this movie as fiction, nobody would believe it, would they?
2: Yeah, I I entirely agree And this. You know, I think what you know what I had won You know, I think by sort of luck, the way that I approached the story, I initially found out about Alan Barklage, and through my interest in Alan Barklage, I ended up finding Martin McNally. And so, for me, these stories were tied together by my process of reporting. But I think it was, it was, you know, really my decision and the decision of of the editor of the Riverfront Times to really, you know, figure out a way: can we put all of these stories together? Can we tell the full arc and the the guy who's sort of in the driver's seat? is Martin McNally? He gets to witness all of these events and all of these, as you say these multiple hijackings. you think you you think you're at the last hijacking in the story, but you are not. You are mistaken. Um, and so you know, I, I think it's been so uh, you know an amazing challenge, but also really satisfying to try to put a very complicated story with many climaxes uh, and many seeming endings together um, with a, a many beginnings and many ends, um, and to have Martin McNally, uh, as I said, kind of in, you know, as your uh, guide to this story.
0: And now what you do is you've got a lot of interviews in there, a ton of interviews, and the most interviewed person is Martin McNally. And can I just synopsize this for my listeners about the situation with Martin McNally? Uh, Martin of Mc- course. Martin McNally is a guy who was, what, was, it, was he in the Navy? Was that the Navy or the Army you talked about? Was he was he- in the Navy. Okay, he was in the Navy, got out of the Navy, decided he wanted to do something, and he started to become sort of a small-town or small-time criminal, and then the DB Cooper thing happened, where DB Cooper uh, hijacked a plane, a seven twenty seven that had the staircase in the rear, jumped out of the plane with a bunch of money, and was never seen from again. So Martin McNally decides he's going to do that. He flies around the country to f- try to find an airport. And at this point in time, airports are just starting to put in security. And he flies around the country to find an airport. And he's he's from Detroit, and he comes to St. Louis, and he goes, Ah, this is the place. I'm going to you know skyjack a TWA flight. So then, like a like a week or so before he's actually going to do it. He comes back to St. Louis to check on everything and finds out that, uh-oh, TWA has put in uh, put in uh, uh, you know, metal detectors and he can't fly TWA, but yet American Airlines still doesn't have it. So he books a flight in American Airlines to what, Tulsa? Was that where it was? Yeah. And he gets on his flight, and he skyjacks the plane. The plane comes back to St. Louis, he gets to come back to St. Louis, then uh, he's, he's asking for $300,000 in parachutes, uh, and they said, well, we don't have the money here, American Airlines is headquartered in, in uh, Dallas, so they take the plane back up, they fly on the way to Dallas, they're on the way to Dallas, they, they say, hey, we've got the money, they come back to St. Louis, they land, they give them the money, they give them the parachutes, and then this crazy thing happens on the runway at Lambert St. Louis Airport. Tell us what that was.
2: This this is just one of the craziest parts of the story. Um, and it, it just shows that, uh, I don't for whatever reason, people who get wrapped up in this, they were confronted with a crazy situation and they made a decision. And this was a guy who actually, uh, you know, it was you know, it, it's a little unclear, uh, actually, the circumstances that took David Hanley, uh, which is the name of this, A fluorescent businessman who was sitting in a diner near the airport, and who was hearing about this ongoing hijacking, and basically takes his car and you know gets in his car, drives through the outer fences of the airport. You know, as Don Marsh, the reporter we just mentioned, was watching this firsthand, um, and so he actually bashes through the fences and drives right at the plane that is being hijacked in an attempt to stop it and um you know what happens you know uh, you know, it it does not eventually uh, it doesn't ultimately stop the hijacking but i think uh in, you know this moment uh, is sort of written in everybody's minds and uh he you know, it's amazing that Hanley survives what he, had, you know, eventually does, which is drive his car right into the plane.
0: Yes, he drives it into the landing gear. <clears throat> excuse me, and then the, pl- the the car catches fire. He's almost killed. And <clears throat> excuse me again, Martin McNally is on the plane, um, and he's going like, okay, was this the FBI? What's going on here? So after this chaos ends, where they come out and put the plane out or put the fire out, he demands another plane, and they give it to him. And then he takes off in another plane from St. Louis, Lambert Airport, and ends up jumping out of the plane, not knowing exactly where it's at. He's got the $300,000, as you talk about, and he, I think he actually says he went to a hardware store and bought twine. Wasn't that what he said? He had twine that he, he, he took the… Yeah, the, yeah a bag of money, and he, and he wrapped it, he tied it to his belt with his gun, he jumps out the back of the 727, which had the rear staircase, when he opens the chute, the chute hits him in the face, severely injures him, the twine breaks, he loses the money, he loses his gun, and he ends up in a field, and he doesn't know where he's at.
2: Yeah, that's you know that of, of all of these situations to wind up in, you know, being heavily bruised in, you know, a part of America where you have no idea where you are, basically broke and with the knowledge that you're probably being searched by hundreds of FBI and local law enforcement and uh you know amazingly Mac gets out of that situation too um through just a, a number of, of very unlikely situations um but you know he he would eventually spend a lot of time in prison. Um, you know, a- after those, um, and so you know, this, the story does get into, you know, what he had to do to survive there. Um, but Mac would prove to be both very, you know, very capable, both you know, outside of a outside of prison and inside, uh, and, you know, as a survivor and as a schemer.
0: We're talking with Danny. Danny, pronounce your name for me one more time. Wisentowski. Wisentowski, okay, who is now back again, yay, yeah, yay, a reporter for the Riverfront Times, yes. has the is the producer um, and narrator of this fantastic uh, podcast series called American Skyjacker, which I fell in love with, and I, I wait till I come out every incident or, or every episode that comes out. Um, then the story goes into where he's in prison. He ends up in prison with this guy by the name of Garrett Trapnell, who is also a skyjacker, and ultimately they plan this breakout of uh, a prison at Marion State Prison, which at or Marion Federal Prison, which at the time was a like the supermax prison, wasn't it?
2: Yes, uh, Marion had been uh, you know at this point in 1978 when this part of the story happens, Marion was the replacement for Alcatraz. This was the the, the you know the most secure prison for federal inmates um, you know, up until they started building uh, some of the prisons out in Colorado and other supermax prisons.
0: So a local lady by the name of Barbara Oswald, uh, one day her daughter is reading a book called The Fox is Crazy Too, which was a book written about Garrett Trapnell. Um, she lives in Richmond Heights. She finds this book. She reads the book. She's fascinated by Garrett Trapnell, starts going to the prison to visit him. And ultimately, they plan a breakout where um she is originally they were going to which she was going to take helicopter lessons. She was going to learn how to fly a helicopter. Ultimately, they didn't decide it was going to take too long. So she ends up skyjacking Alan Barklage, and Alan Barklage ends up killing her right above Marion State Prison. Now, here's what's weird, and I want to tell you something from my own personal experience. Tori Lyons, believe it or not, was one of my traffic reporters that used to work for me. And I heard her say the exact same thing that happened to me when I first met Alan Barklage. I first met Alan Barklage in 1980. So this has been a couple years after this whole incident happened. And at the time, Alan was new to our station. At the time, we were called KY-98 and I was going to be the fill-in guy for Alan Barklich. So I meet him at the airport, and he takes me into his office. He pulls out a scrapbook, and he starts showing me all the news articles about him being hijacked and ultimately killing Barbara Oswald in the air over the state prison, and shows me these incredibly gory pictures of the helicopter covered with blood. Have you seen these pictures, Danny?
2: Yeah, so I've actually had that scrapbook. Um, <sighs> I was given... You know, in the course of my reporting, I was loaned um, all of those photos by the Barclage family when I was reporting this for the Riverfront Times in 2018. We actually include one of those photos of the helicopter, you know, with Bar Roswald's blood um, in, in the story.
0: And, and Alan looks at me and says, I had three tours of combat duty in Vietnam. I have, no idea, I have no idea how many people I killed in Vietnam with all the, you know, because he was going in on rocket attacks and things like that and going in on villages in, in North Vietnam. He says, I have no idea how many keep people I killed. He says, but I never came face to face with somebody that I ended up killing. And he says, it has impacted my life, and my psychiatrist tells me, I have to tell this story. So anytime he met somebody new, he'd grab this scrapbook, and he'd show this, this whole thing of his life with this, Skyjacking, and it 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 I can remember like it happened yesterday, and that was forty years ago. Wow, just just an incredible thing for me. So I've got the 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 podcast is American Skyjacker. How many more episodes are there still to drop?
2: Um, so we now have uh, three episodes left. Uh, I believe if I'm counting right there's ten total. Um, and we've just now, as you said, we've just moved through. Um, kind of the the first piece of this ridiculous um, prison escape uh, using a hijacked helicopter. Um, but there is there is still a, a lot to go, even with, with as much as that has already happened in this series. Um, there's kind of, you know, uh, a few last uh, curtain calls to make.
0: You know, and I have to tell you, I think you've done an excellent job with this. And I hear in the credits, started, part of this was produced at Clayton Studios here in, here in, uh, in Clayton, Richmond Heights, wherever that's at right there.
2: Oh uh, yes, and this was all uh, recorded at Clayton Studios and, and done remotely, uh, which was a change in our initial plan, which would have had me fly out to a studio and then to do all of this as it was in the the before times. Uh, so this was all. Um, done very much through, with a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of remote uh, technical assistance.
0: Now, here's my crazy question: You're a uh, Riverfront Times, primarily, uh, I guess you would call a print journalist. How did you get into doing uh, to doing this this uh, as far as the uh, this, the uh, the the podcast?
2: Um, you know, I you'd have to ask uh, the producers why they wanted me to um, uh, be the host necessarily, but. You know, uh, I have been working with Pegalo Pictures uh, with Eli Kouris and Joshua Schaefer. Those are the the writers and producers uh, on this podcast with me. Um, and you know, initially we've been you set out to start filming this uh, as a documentary project. And and I will say that that project is ongoing, as far as where that's uh, you know where that will eventually wind up um but i uh you know i think to their credit uh i think they found a, a creative vehicle that could hold a story of of this size and we had so much great material we had so many interviews um and uh you know i was we were able to sort of write a, a script that could weave through all of these and you know, it, it ended up just feeling really natural for this kind of radio drama um this very intimate uh, and exciting uh you know, story because just there's so many things that happen. You know, every every you know minute to minute is, and then this happened, and then this happened, and there's action, and there's people saying what they remember, and um, and it, it you know eventually it almost felt you know kind of obvious, and this this wonderful kind of audio story being told that just you I mean, really doesn't. You know, it doesn't take the foot off the off the gas very much at all.
0: I, I I totally agree. I've been totally enthralled with it. I mean, when I first I listened to the first couple episodes, and I was just like hooked. And like you got me, I'm like I'm like you know I want my fix every week when the new episodes come out. And I mean to me, uh, I'm the kind of guy that you know my business for the most part is a lot of audio and digital as well too. But I live this, I live audio every day. And for me to just be totally you know wrapped up in something like this, it's fascinating. Now here's a nosy question, okay? And I ask this all the time because we we're starting to do a lot of interviews. Matter of fact, I don't know if you know this. Uh, here's a story that you might want to do one. Uh, do you are you familiar with the history guy? Do you know who he is? Uh, No, no. He's a guy who uh, used to work, uh, he's local, lives in the Metro East area, used to uh, be an executive for one of the local healthcare uh, insurance firms, got laid off, decided he was going to do something different, and he is making a nice living by doing history videos. He does three of them a week uh, from his house over in the Metro East, over in uh, St. Clair County, and he's a fascinating guy. And what I've started doing is I'm interviewing these people who are doing different things digitally. And they're making money at it. So here's my question: and you don't have to tell me, if you don't want. But, are you making money at this?
2: Uh, yes. So the nice, I think I'll just say you know that that you know this was, uh, you know this was done all kind of you know very professionally. And you know as you can hear in the podcast, you know there was a lot of production value put into this. And I think there was it was really nice to see uh, Pegalo Pictures and Imperative Entertainment you know, see the value in this. And I, I think they treated me very well. Uh, with respect as a creator and and someone that they uh you know we're we're working with professionally, and so i felt i i felt you know you know really great with the people i've worked with um and i you know i don't know if there'll be you know more podcasts or more stuff in my career. I am really happy with the with r f t and being a print guy uh, doing journalism, and there's no shortage uh, of work for it um but you know i I can't you know say enough uh, that you know i was old i was entrusted. To be the host of this uh, with really no no broadcast experience, Um, and it's it's you know I can only credit you know know, the work we've done on the story and their input and help in kind of bringing it forward and making it sound like I know what I'm doing.
0: Well, and 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 being a journalist myself and having my journalism degree from SIU with my professor Camille Winter who would always say ask the tough question. My tough question is: so they put a little jingle in your pocket, correct? Yes. Okay, that's all I want to know. And you don't have to tell me how much. But once again, this is fascinating to me because people are making money at the new digital world of, of podcasts and YouTube and blogs and websites and social media. And I'm fascinated by it because some people are making a killing at it. And it's to the point where, to me, it's like a new frontier. It's like we're on the edge of something new and and fascinating and to me it's just so exciting to be you know sort of a part of it and to just watch the whole thing and to see once again somebody like you who is sort of out of your element but you know because you're being a print journalist but you do an excellent job on this and i commend you for that
2: thank you uh, I think next, uh, if there's anything other projects, I will not be asked to be paid uh, only in large bags of money drops in the sky. Uh, so and they'll that'll give be my next requirement.
0: <laughs> yeah, they'll give you a parachute and you have to jump out of a plane, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Really make, it, make me work for it.
0: Okay, Danny. Appreciate your time, American Skyjacker. You can go down and you can, if you have uh, your phone, you can uh, pull it up. It's on all the different uh, different podcasts. You can search it on on uh, iTunes or you know you just if you just go into Google and type in American Skyjacker, it'll come up and it'll find it. Uh, if someone would want to get in touch with you, any kind of contact information, maybe someone's listening has more information for you on this or have some questions. Uh, any kind of contact info.
2: Uh, well, my, my Twitter DMs are open, and I believe I have my email uh, on there as well. I, I wouldn't. Uh, if I started spelling my last name on your show for you, because it's part of my email address, we would be here till the afternoon. Uh, but I, I think folks can find me. They got my, I got my email address on the bottom of all my RFT stories, which uh, are fairly consistent. So if, if folks want to get in touch with me, there are a few ways they can find out pretty easily, I think.
0: And, and let me give a shot at this. I, I, I think I have your spelling correct. W-I-C-E-N-T-O-W-S-K-I, is that correct? Yep, that's me. That's Danny. Okay, and if you want, and I found him by just starting to just typing in Danny and then put in, you know, I can't remember what I put in and bang, then you popped up. Danny, so much. I appreciate it. I think you've done an excellent job on this. And I am really glad to see a St. Louis uh, story, a St. Louis person like yourself. And this has turned into a huge national and international podcast because it's just so fascinating.
2: Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope a lot of people are enjoying it.
0: Danny, appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: All right, thanks for having me. Have mm-hmm. a great day.
0: Bye-bye. Shelly, you still there? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you,
1: that you, was pretty fascinating actually.
0: You got to listen to this thing. I mean, it's really uh-huh. good. It's really good. I mean, it, and 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 once again, he's not a, he's a print guy, and I've read his stuff in the Riverfront Times. He is my old my old teacher, Dr. Winter would be proud of that guy. Yes, he would. Because he's a digger.
1: He'd be proud of you, too. And, no, he wouldn't. Um, <laughs> as long as you quit saying that your he'd journalism say, degree is No,
0: he'd say to me, worthless. He said, he would say to me, Mr. Hildebrand, because he called everybody like that, Mr. Hildebrand, you're doing what? You're on a radio station and you call yourself BS in the morning? Oh, I'm totally disgusted. That's what he would say. Oh, he would. (laughs) That's exactly what he would say. He
1: would say, (laughs) bravo to you for being an innovator. (laughs) He
0: would say, I'm totally disgusted by you, just like my mom said she hated me. So that's a whole other story. Oh, stop it. 726. Westplex 107.1. It is BS in the morning. I'm Brad. She is Shelly. And every time I play that song, Shelly gets on the radio and she says.
1: Things that make you go, hmm.
0: That's what. what happens every time.
1: I happen to like that song, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> you you happen to like that song?
1: I do. Ain't nobody does that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your favorite guy.
1: You and your little trickster things.
0: Sir Smashington, you know, who is a fascinating guy. Isn't
1: he just
0: a good human? He just, he's a good guy. He really is. He's a great guy. Um, really? And um, having some, have had some rough times in his life recently. His wife passed away a few years back. Um, You know, and he's he's been on TV talking about uh, some of his own health issues. uh, And uh, he's back in the business. He's working at another radio station. I'm glad here he's on our station. Matter of fact, he's on both of our stations now. All three of our stations on Sunday morning with his religious show called The uh, People's Party. And uh, he is a true... It's The People's Praise Party. People's Praise Party. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, He's a true uh, icon in our industry. Once upon a time was a MTV... VJ uh, worked with Howard Stern. You know, interesting history. Interesting history, and you know, he's 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 a perfect example of of one of the uh, key phrases in the radio industry. And you know what that is, don't you? No. Old radio, uh, old radio people never die. We just smell that way. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Did you come up with that yourself? No, that's hey, when you go to broadcast school. That's one of the things they teach you. The hey,
1: broadcast
0: center. Well, no, I just broadcast school. Are you talking to your Nord again?
1: No, I'm not. I I was trying to do something without I'm going,
0: holding my microphone. I'm, I'm going to do a. Uh, I'm going to do you know because everybody's doing podcasts and things like that. I'm going to do an instructional video that I'm going to charge for. And I'm, I'm <laughs> to only, how to actually <laughs> do my <laughs> job? <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm going to only charge you ninety nine bucks. Everybody else is going to pay three ninety nine, but brad hildebrand teaches you how to properly use a microphone hi (laughs) hi (laughs) i'm brad and i've been working behind a microphone for years and so i'm here to teach you the proper technique now show you the improper technique here's my co-host shelly barr shelly say something off mic like you normally do That's the improper way of using a microphone. The proper way of the microphone is, depending on what style microphone you have, it should be anywhere from about three to six inches away from your lips and you should be speaking directly into the microphone like this. That's your cue. Hi, everybody. No. <laughs>
1: I knew it was my cue.
0: You didn't pick up right away. That's correct. That's now. I
1: never pick up right away, Brad. You know me, right? You've you known
0: me for hey, sh- hold it. Hey, quite some Hey, I'm, I'm doing the instructional video. Knock it off for a minute. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's the improper way of doing the microphone again. Shelley. As you can tell, you can barely hear her, and it sounds like she's in a trash can somewhere. Now, when she uses the Brad method and puts the microphone right in front of her lips and talks directly into it, she, she sounds like this.
1: This is how you sound when you don't put your microphone in and and jump in the trash can.
0: So there you have it. I'm glad you bought this class for $299. And now you too can be a professional radio person using your professional microphone techniques. And your certificate of completion shall be issued to you shortly. It will be in the mail. If Donald Trump doesn't grab it out of the mail and rip it up before it gets to your house,
1: <laughs> he's not going to do that. <laughs> there they go. They're not going to defund the um, post office, are they? Oh,
0: this whole crazy thing. I mean, now the guy who's the new head, of the guy, Mr. Lovejoy, whatever it is, no, no joy, whatever the, the guy's name is. Uh, now he's Mr. Uh, Love well, Butter. No, well, uh, we're uh, we're we're not going to change anything now. And the crazy thing about it is. I spoke to someone who knows more about the postal system than most people. Actually, someone who works in the postal system. And I asked them the question, okay, so your volume's down, correct? Yes, our volume's down. Have you had a tremendous decrease in the number of people work there? No, not that many different. It's pretty much the same crew as before. So if the volume's down... And the same number of people are working there. And you still have the same number of trucks? Yep, still the same number of trucks. What's going on with the Postal Service? I don't know. <laughs> and, and his his response was, I think it's much ado about nothing. That's what he said. And he works there.
1: That's what that's what people thought about the coronavirus, too. And it's pretty much shuttered down oh, the whole world. Shelly,
0: don't <laughs> compare the coronavirus to the post office. You know rem- remember for a while remember when this first thing first hit people were were spraying their mail with Lysol remember that Yes I do <laughs> It's like okay you got you're going to spray your mail with Lysol okay so, why don't you just get, like, what, that, that movie that John Travolta was in when he was a young guy, Bubble Boy, or whatever it was. Remember Bubble Boy?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs>
0: we'll just put ourselves in a big bubble, and we'll just walk around like, hi, I'm Bubble Boy, I'm Bubble Girl. How do you drive your car when you're in a bubble like that, you know?
1: That's probably <laughs> one of the very few movies that he didn't dance in.
0: In Bubble Boy? Wasn't that the name of the movie? uh-huh hang on let me see if I can find it real quick let me see, if I can find see I've got to find one because
1: what. John Travolta danced in almost every BBM, movie he did
0: bubble hold on,
1: even Pulp Fiction bubble which boy. I still don't understand uh, one
0: of his you know one of his one of his uh, uh, one of his favorite one of my favorite dance scenes of him is uh, remember the movie Michael where he played the angel yes and you know what Here's yes, the, I do. here's the thing I've never seen that it movie. Looks
1: like chocolate chip cookies. I've
0: never seen that movie. Uh, the only thing I've you have seen...
1: never seen the movie Michael.
0: No, I've only seen the dance sequences where he's in the bar and he starts oh, that's dancing. YouTube it. He starts dancing with all those women and the, yes. the guys get jealous because he's out there on the floor and it's him and all these women dancing together and it's a great dance scene too. Where it's like it's not any kind of fancy schmancy kind of stuff. Bubble Boy. Uh, no, hold on a minute. This is 2001. That can't be right. No,
1: it's older than that. What was the original
0: Bubble Boy? Two thousand and one. Bubble Boy. Jake Gyllenhaal was in Bubble Boy in two thousand and one. Hold on a minute. Let me Bubble Boy movie. Let me put in. Put in. There must have been a John. Here it is. John Travolta. Bubble Boy movie, John Travolta. Uh, 1976. Holy cow. He looks like he's like a kid, which at the time he probably was. He was probably 18 or 19. Yeah, 1976. Drama romance. Oh, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. That's what it's called. The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Uh, IMDB. Yeah, but I, everybody else called
1: it The Bubble Boy.
0: Yeah, 5.7 out of 10. 86% liked it on Google users. The girl, Glynis O'Connor, next door makes 18. John Travolta, born with immune deficiencies, want to leave his germ-free. Bubble, <laughs> we could we could lose more, uh, use more Glennis O'Connors in our life now, couldn't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Clone that woman and have her go. Hey, hey, you don't have to hole up in your house anymore. You can actually go outside. Just wear a mask and be careful where you're at. But it's you know, yeah, that big ball of fire in the eye in the sky. That's the sun. yes, yes. yes you can come out and see things. <laughs> right. That'd be Clintus O'Connor now. Okay, 744.
1: Quest, real, quest, real quick.
0: Westplex 107.1. It is BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She is Brad. And it is a Wednesday morning. You didn't say it one time so far today. What? Home day? Yeah. You're right on top of things. Man, I ask you a question. The last word is trailing out of my mouth. And man, you got the answer already. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, Shelly, what day is it today? Uh, okay, what planet do we live on? Um, <laughs> what time zone are we in? Um, <laughs> Who are you?
1: Um,
0: Man. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the only reason I know what day it is is because of my pill minder.
0: <laughs> Your pill minder? Yes. Well, you know, Grant Cardone says if you know what day it is, you're not busy enough. Which I think is an interesting comment, because if you're super busy, you can't you lose track of what day it is. Is
1: you, that like super lonely?
0: <laughs> no.
1: Super lonely. Super busy.
0: Hold a minute. What? What again? Now?
1: Nope. Super lonely. Super lonely. Super lonely. Yes.
0: You know, Shelley. Shelly is one of the smartest women in the world. Um, Her and I, a couple weeks ago, we won't tell this story, but we were in sort of a traumatic experience. And all of a sudden, you know, we were in this building together. We were calling on a client in an office building. And all of a sudden, things got very smoky. And I'm going like, I don't know what's going on. I looked at Shelly and I go, Shelly, what's going on? And she said to me,
1: The building is on fire.
0: I'm telling you, she's
1: you are so funny (laughs) i'm glad you tickle yourself brad i am i got hairy legs that turn blonde in the sun
0: yeah our next president
1: (laughs) yeah i give them two months and they
0: they vote him out him and corn pop
1: the ones that are sitting there Promoting him and and saying what, how wonderful he is, knowing that the man is impaired, and I think that's shameful.
0: Oh well, no 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 no! When it, when something happens, to him Corn Pop's going to take over. You know who Corn Pop is, don't you? No. You don't know who Corn Pop is? No. On one of these one of these interviews, he starts talking about this guy named Corn Pop that was in the neighborhood <laughs> where he lived and was like the local hoodlum, you know. And he knew the guy; he was good friends with Corn Pop, and, and people were going like. Corn Pop? Yeah, Corn Pop. That was the guy's name. Corn Pop.
1: It's pretty funny. That's a really cool name for a derelict. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: going like, if you're going to be like a bad guy, would you name yourself Corn Pop? Absolutely not. Wouldn't you wouldn't be like Butch or like like you know Killer or or like you know like you know Leg Breaker or something like that? Not Corn Pop. (laughs) Miss S. (laughs) I'm going like, okay. So what kind of a bad guy is named Corn Pop? You know, like isn't that a cereal? Isn't that something like you know Kellogg's is best you with new Corn Pops. That, I think that is a cereal, isn't it? Corn pop.
1: Yeah, that is pretty, pretty uh, <sighs> lame, actually, for a person that's experiencing experiencing a misspent youth. Right.
0: If 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 the you know, if somebody's going to come over and break your leg because you did something wrong, it's usually a veto. And it's not a Theodore. You know what I'm Guido. saying? Or, mm-hmm. A Vito or a Guido or somebody like that. And it's not like, you know, Poindexter. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's, Poindexter. It, it's not Poindexter is not going to come over and break your leg. You know, And I don't think cord Pop's going to break your leg. OK, that's it for us. We're done. We're done,
1: we're done at seven fifty nine.
0: I know you said you got to get out of here early. You know, Oh
1: well, I, I said eight fifteen.
0: Yeah, we're like we're like postal workers. You he's know. like
1: he's like totally done with me today.
0: Well no, we're like postal workers. We Pretty can leave much
1: like yesterday. Can and that leave. was
0: awesome. We can leave anytime we want. We can just say, ah, yeah, we're done. Oh, we got a couple sacks of mail. Ah, eh, I'm done. I'll get him yeah, to I'll Brad get, has, I'll uh, get to him tomorrow.
1: Brad Fred uh knows the boss personally. Do you,
0: do you, you know what happened? I, I have a good friend of mine, and this is a true story. Okay. I have a good friend of mine, lives in Washington, DC. And I I'm not making this up. This is a true story. He he went he dropped something off at a local mailbox near the white house uh-huh and when he put when he put the letter into the mailbox yeah you know, and he and he had a bunch of letters and he put one in cuz he had his hands full and he put one in and he heard this noise and it was like what in the world was that and he put in another letter and he hears this noise like wow 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 like that and he puts in another letter wow 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 you know Puts another letter. Was it a shredder? Yeah, it goes around the back of the mailbox, and it's it's Trump with a shredder shredding all the mail.
1: Ugh. Yeah, that was true. <laughs> <laughs> fibber. He's,
0: he's got all the mail, and it's he's running fibber. through. Yeah. You and, are. And what he says, he says, he says, aren't you Donald Trump? Yes. And you know, what are you doing? I'm taking care of the mail. Postal Service can't do it, so I'll do it.
1: Actually, the mail itself really isn't bad what's bad is when you get a package
0: <laughs> no i have good luck with that my 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 well, bad luck's I, I with don't. fedex fedex is to the point where i could tell you some horror stories with FedEx. i
1: use fedex
0: well you know i i say to you eh, eh,
1: eh,
0: good luck there's still one of the packages that I, I i told the goofy story about the the package that was not my package it got delivered to me three times and the third time i just kept it because I kept tapping it back and yes. saying, "Hey, this isn't that my package," funny. and okay, we'll take care of it. And then, like a day later, it shows up again, same package. I take it back. You know, oh no, oh, you know, you know, so we're sorry. And a day later, I take it back. And so finally, I go. I didn't even know what was in it. So it's opened up, it was a nice HP computer. So I'm thinking, It's mine now. You know, they keep delivering it to me. Well
1: you do did you do you did do your due diligence.
0: Did say you say that three did times? You, did fast. you say do did do? Is that what you said? Did you say do did do? <laughs> you know you, you,
1: <laughs> I said you I, hold you up, Hold did I, up. I,
0: do I, I your
1: due diligence.
0: Do did do do did do. I just listened to George Carlin last night and do did do is one of the huh. seven words you can't say in radio. Doo doo doo. do doo. Yeah, it's duty doo. Duty doo. That's, that's not true. It is. It's seven.
1: Anyway, it's 8:02. Everybody have a great day. It's Hump Day. It's gonna be amazing. The weather's gonna be great.